Hi everyone, this is Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Everything is Football. Don't go away. Hello everyone, I'm Mark Geshwin, and welcome to another EIF podcast. And today I'm with Tomas Orsel yet again, as we are going to be previewing the Premier League season. Premier League football is back. In general, European football is back, and we're all very excited. We also want to give a quick heads up that we are going to be discussing all things Neymar and Barcelona coming up this week with Rafael Hernandez. We're very excited to do that. So to get us started, we're going to be fairly standard as we discuss the ins and outs of the Premier League and what we expect to see this year, give our predictions, and a little bit more along the way. So I think the best way to start off with this, Tomas, is right away what, what the question on everyone's mind, what everyone wants to know, how do you think the top six will play out this season? Well, I think we could start with number one, Mark, because I think this is an easy one. I think we're both going to agree. Man City, they're going to win the league. Um, I don't think this year that any team is going to be able to get near City. And I think we discussed this the other day, Mark, that it would be a monumental disaster for, uh, for Guardiola if they somehow finish the season just anywhere but first. After spending so much money, it is a disaster for City. So City first place for me. I'm going to go Chelsea second place. I think that we've done enough to replace what we've lost. I think we're still slightly worse than we were last season, especially mostly because Diego Costa's gone. And I don't think Morata's quite at that level. But I'm still convinced we're going to bring in another player or two. And if that player is Gareth Bale, you know, everyone better watch out. So Chelsea second place. The system is there. I don't. I've seen enough now. Preseason didn't look great, but Community Shield this past weekend, you can see the system's still there. The team's good enough to finish in second place. I think not really compete with City, but second place, third place. My boy Jose Mourinho will lead Manu to third place. I don't think they've strengthened enough to win the league or to really challenge in the Champions League, but I think they've done enough to to go out there and finish in third place. And Mark, you're going to be shocked at this one, but I think Liverpool. In fourth place, I think a lot rides on Coutinho staying or leaving. That's another story. I think Coutinho is probably going to leave. If he stays, I think they definitely finish in top four. If he leaves, I think he leaves for a hundred million plus. That's a lot of money. I think Klopp makes some good signings. I will back Liverpool at fourth place. Fifth place, I see Spurs dropping out of the top four. And I'll get into this later, Mark. I know we have some other categories to cover. Spurs will feature in one of those. And sixth place. Arsenal and Arsene Wenger regretting giving Wenger a new contract. Hmm. Not much faith in Wenger and his boys, despite the fact they don't have Champions League football, which, zero, as we've zero. seen, as we've seen, has proved to be pretty important the past two years. So I'll get into mine. All fair, but I'm just going to rattle mine off before I give a little explanation. I've got Man City in first place, Tottenham finishing in second, Chelsea in third. Arsenal and Arsene Wenger squeaking into the top four in fourth place, Liverpool in fifth place, and Manchester <laughs> United back in sixth place where they were last season. And I'll start with United, actually, because this is the one that's actually most interesting to me. I think the other ones kind of speak for itself, so I won't touch too much on City, Spurs, and Chelsea. But Manchester United, now everyone for some reason has these really high expectations on Manchester United this year. I've seen so many previews of people thinking they're going to finish in first place or second place, and I was just watching something on Fox, and both uh, p- analysts in the studio predicted them to go first. 
And I'm not entirely sure why. Why? Like, besides the fact that Mourinho tends to win the league in his second year, their team is pretty much identical to what it was last season. And last season, they were dreadful. I mean, you can argue whatever you like, Tomas, but in the league, they were dreadful, and there's no two ways around that. And they were listless in front of goal. They struggled to really create chances, and I know people are going to point to all the tough games when they missed a lot of chances. Whatever, in general, in most games, they were meh, suspect, ended up scoring less goals than Bournemouth. And I just think that the lineup is basically the same thing. It'll be the exact same team, except you're subbing in Ibrahimovic for Lukaku, which is, in my opinion, even at Ibrahimovic's 30, whatever he is now, 35, 36, is still a downgrade, in my opinion. And they brought in Manja Matic to allow Paul Pogba to push forward. And so maybe that helps them a little bit, but you can make the argument if you just look at them, if you just match up the midfields of last season, you know, something like Paul Pogba under Herrera and Juan Mata in front of them or Paul Pogba under Herrera and Mkhitaryan in in front of them, or Paul Pogba under Herrera and Michael Carrick. Are any of those midfields that much worse than Pogba, Nemanja Matic, and under Herrera? I'm just not so sure. There's a lot of questions there, and I think they're relying on a lot of players to perform better than they did last season, but that's not necessarily a guarantee. You're hoping that Mkhitaryan can you know, kind of find his form of his last year in Dortmund. And you're hoping that Paul Pogba with Matic behind him can find his best form. And you're hoping that Marcus Rashford and Anthony Martial kind of take that step forward into becoming like world-class players. But it's a lot of gambles there, and I just don't really see genuine improvement. And for me, I think that all the other teams got better, and United didn't. So, Or at least United didn't get too much better. So I keep them in sixth. And then I'll go and just talk about why I think Arsenal will finish fourth. They don't have Champions League football, which always helps because you don't need to rotate as much. They can kind of pick the same team, the same 11 week in, week out. And as long as Alexis Sanchez and Mesut Ozil stay, which, you know, impossible to say, but at the moment is looking fairly likely, I think you look at a team that is Koscielny, Mustafi, Monreal, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Bellerin, Xhaka, Ramsey, Lacazette, Ozil, Sanchez. That's a good wow. 11. That's a good, ooh, that's, ooh. A, that's a good 11. That's a good, I'm that's, scared. That's, that's a good team. That's a good team, and people want to hate on it, but Alexis Sanchez is arguably the best player in the league. Him and Hazard are right up there. Mesut Ozil, always brilliant on his day. Xhaka has proved to be, to be very good towards the end of last season and looked good again in the Community Shield. So I think it's a good enough team. I don't think there should Arsenal fans should be too fearful of a terrible season. And while I don't think it's a guarantee, I think Arsenal, Liverpool, and United will really be pushing for that fourth spot. In the end, maybe not having Champions League football helps them just a little bit and pushes them back home, back where they belong in fourth place. I just want to jump in there real quick, Mark, about Arsenal. A big reason to have them six is you said here, you know, I'm, I'm mentioning teams that upgraded. These guys are going to finish top four. Man, you didn't upgrade enough. Arsenal brought in Kolasinac. How do you pronounce his name? Kolasinac. Um, he, as we saw, he's a good player. He's nothing special. He's not going to, you know, it's the same as he said of Manu. He's not a guy who's really going to improve the team that much. Probably won't even start. Yeah. And Lacazette, good player. You know, very good player. But is he a top five, top ten striker on the planet? No. I mean, in fact, he is a sub for Giroud for the national team. Uh, although, you know, that's more a case of Giroud just being Superman sometimes for France because we know Lacazette's clearly a better player. But I think a combination of them not bringing enough players in, 
I'm still not convinced Sanchez is going to stay. You know, I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him leave. I, that could still be you know happening over the past over the next two three weeks. And really, the, you say no Champions League, but with Arsenal, the problem is never the first half of the season. You know, they always get to December, first place, second place, third place. You know, some somewhere near first, and it's never a problem. But then you get to January, late January, early February, and that's when you know Arsenal kicks in, and and the second half you know of the season starts you know marking their collapse and with Europa League I actually think that's a bigger problem than Champions League because one they will try in Europa League you know because now of course the winner of Europa League qualifies for Champions League Jose Mourinho of course loves that rule now and Arsenal will be thinking you know it's never given that they're going to finish top four in the Prem especially with how competitive it is now so we're going to go all out in the Europa League and that's fine First half of the season, you know, they don't have to play all their starters. It's going to be an easy group. Sure. When you get to the second half of the season, when they already always struggle, and you have Europa League football there, that's one extra round compared to Champions League. So it doesn't, the knockout stages start with 32 teams and not 16. So it doesn't start in the last 16. So that's one extra, you know, uh, round of games. Secondly, those games are on Thursday, as we all know. And Mark, that, that for Arsenal, I think is going to be a big problem. I think with Champions League always being a problem, not such a massive one because they always get knocked out in the last 16. Mm. So it's not like they're making deep runs in the Champions League. But I think Europa League, you'd expect them to do fairly well. You'd expect them to push hard for that. And I think a combination of their usual second half of the season collapse, not bringing in enough players, perhaps not voting on to Alexis Sanchez, and of course having Arsene Wenger there, I think the combination of all those will make it a very, very tough season for Arsenal. And I'm surprised to see so many Arsenal fans so optimistic after this community shield. I don't think either Chelsea or Arsenal showed much in that game. So for people to go out there and say, oh, Arsenal looked great and this and that, no. No, it was a preseason game. Nobody looked great other than Ungolo Conte in that game, I think it's safe to say. And I think sixth place for Arsenal. I think it's going to be a tough season for them. Well, that's all fair, and we'll see how that plays out in the top six, which is really the way the Premier League has kind of happened. You know, everyone loves to talk about how it's so competitive, but in reality, it's really top six and everyone else. So we do know that that top six will probably be the top six, but it's always it will be fun to see how it lays out and what the order of that top six is eventually. But of course, there are still tons of other teams in the Premier League that deserve attention as we move down the table. Probably Everton have made the most exciting move so far, although a big loss losing Romelu Lukaku. Swansea have made some interesting signings. Uh, Roque Mesa from Las Palmas is a player that I really like. Uh, Tammy Abraham was another good signing. And as long as they can keep Sigurdsson, it looks like Swansea could have a couple things going for them. West Ham brought in Zabaleta, Joe Hart, Arnautovic, and Chicharito. Also some good moves there. So, Tomas, while we're not going to predict the, you know, the best of the rest, which out of you know maybe the mid-table teams, bottom half teams might you expect to slightly overachieve and you know kind of push on the top six get into the top half do better than expected who do you see doing that i could see a couple of them doing well i think i think with southampton for example we're going to get more of the same i think bringing in pellegrino was a great move he knows the league and of course claude Puel was a very negative coach there I, i think they did a good job getting rid of him but you mentioned Swansea, Mark, and I think that for me is the team that's set to have a great season. I think Paul Clement, I'm a big fan of Paul Clement, of course, what he did at Chelsea uh, for quite a while well, under Ancelotti, and then, of course, follow him to Madrid, follow him to Bayern Munich, and 
what we see him, what we were able to see the little he showed towards the second half of last season when he came in, saved them from relegation, comes in now. And you mentioned the signings, Mark. Those are great signings. Uh, Tammy Abraham, the Chelsea man, scored for fun in the championship. I think it was 23 and 41, something around that mark. Um, and Rokim is, uh, I think, for 11 million pounds, is a magnificent signing. I think that's a steal in today's market. I think he's so suited for the Prem, so suited for Swansea's passing goals out that they love to play, keeping the ball. Uh, I think we're, I think we're going to see good things from Swansea. Uh, I think West Ham are also going to do well, but if you if you ask me what team I think is going to overachieve the most this season, I'd say Swansea maybe getting near the top 10, maybe not cracking the top 10, but maybe 11th, 12th place, I think would be a very good season for them. And I think for me, they're, you could say, the dark horse this season. Well, Tomas, this is a iconic day because we are in agreement. Wow. I believe the Swansea will have a, a better season than a lot of people expect, and I do fully expect them to finish in the top half. I would not be surprised if they're in 7th, 8th, or ninth. I, I think that they've made some under-the-radar signings in Roque Mesa and Tammy Abraham, and I think that you add that to the pieces they already had, and considering the fact that I think last season was more of a case of them underachieving, I think the coaching changes affected them. I never really thought that Guido Lin was really the right fit there, um, and then obviously Bob Bradley was a terrible fit, should never really have been hired um, to jump in and try and save a team from a relegation battle. And so I think the pieces are there. And as long as they can sign, um, ensure that Sigurdsson doesn't leave, I think you're building a really nice team with Sigurdsson, Leroy Fair, Roque Mesa, midfield, even Ki Song Young is, is another player I like. Uh, you have like energetic, pacey wingers on the outside in Montero and Narsing. Um, and then, of course, you have Llorente and Tammy Abraham up front. That could be an, an interesting duo up front. And Llorente proved they can score goals last year. Abraham showed he can do it in the championship. He's been doing it in preseason. So, you know, maybe it's the, maybe it's the year for the Sea Swan. So we'll, we'll see how that should goes. Have never, should have never fired Laudrup in the first place. But, you know, maybe the board are starting to get it right now. But it all stems back from firing Michael Laudrup mm. a little while back. That's where it started going downhill for them. Yeah, I agree. And so on the, in a similar way, out of all these teams, there's some expectations on West Ham right now. There are some expectations on Everton right now. Which out of these teams do you think is going to be the biggest underachiever? I actually want to pick out a big team here, Mark, for being an underachiever. I don't know if I'm cheating a little bit here. Sure. But for me, and you, you can probably guess from, from my predictions, it's not Arsenal because I don't think anyone really has massive expectations for them. I think it's Spurs. I think Spurs, maybe their starting 11 is up there with any other team in the league. You know, maybe, like we said, not as good as City, but on any given day, they can beat anyone. But the fact that they somehow didn't bring anyone in this summer, literally zero players, a whole city kind of summer so far they're having. You know, they've lost 10 and brought in zero. Uh, and the biggest loss, of course, being Kyle Walker to City. It, it, it's. It's odd to me. I don't know if it's because they're building the new stadium and maybe they're a little strapped for cash. I don't know if Pellegrini, um, uh, po- sorry, not Pellegrini, uh, Pochettino is just content with his team right now and said, I don't need anyone else. I'd be surprised if that was the case. Or maybe Daniel Levy's going for bail and nobody knows it yet. Maybe that's his big master plan. But the fact they haven't brought anyone in, to me, it's, it's troubling for Spurs fans because you see, oh, what if Kane goes down like he did last year? Of course, uh, Hellman Son came in and 
And for a few games, the man was the Korean Jesus. Korean Pele is what people were calling him because you know, the, the, the guy played at such a level when Kane was gone that everyone was like, oh, you know, we're fine. If, if Kane's ever down, we have we have Son. It's fine. Um, he'll, he'll score. I, I think he overachieved last season for what he did. I think he's a very good player, but he's not the guy who's going to who's gonna do that if, if Kane goes down. We also know they, they just lack depth. So not only have they not improved, which I, I think they could have, They've lost a starter in Kyle Walker, who was a key part of the team. They have Trippier, who did, did well last season uh, for large stretches of the season. Now he's injured. And they, of course, have another Kyle Walker. Kyle Walker, I think it's Peter, is, is the new is, is now the backup or right back. But I don't think they have done enough. They haven't strengthened at all. And if you get a couple injuries there, if you lose Kane, if you maybe lose maybe Big Toby, you know, I, I think this team could be in trouble. And I think it's a given that they will get injuries. I don't think they'll stay so injury free like they like they've been able to do uh, a few years. They've of course lost a few players, but they haven't really had a bad injury crisis. If that hits the season mark, they're screwed. They they don't have depth at all, and I think that's the big problem when you compare a Spurs to a Chelsea to a Man U to a Man City to even I'd say even in Arsenal, you know, they don't have the depth to compete with these teams. And I think at the end of the day, that's that could be a big problem for Spurs. And I think that's why they won't finish top five. Hmm. Well, I'm going to go a different route. And I'm going to go with the two mid-table teams that made a lot of moves and have generally people pretty excited. And that's Everton and West Ham. Now, I don't know if this is really should be categorized as biggest underachiever especially considering West Ham weren't very good last season um and you know finishing 10th or 11th or 9th place with Everton isn't really terrible but I think given all these signings people are expecting more from them the expectations have been raised a little bit on both teams and I just don't see them living up to that whatsoever I think that a lot of the signings they've made have been slightly overrated uh, guys like Arnautovic for 25 million pounds, only scored six goals last season. Um, guys like Zabaleta, who are way past their prime. I mean, there were at times last season where, you know, let alone West Ham, he, he didn't even look fit for a team in the championship or in League One. Um, and then they brought in Joe Hart, which everyone's all excited about. I'm guessing that no one watched him play for Torino last season because that <laughs> man was shocking. I mean, people in Italy were making fun of him week in, week out. The amount of... Most mistakes in the Serie A most throughout mistakes, the whole Yeah, season. exactly. Most mistakes leading goals in Serie A. I mean, he was dreadful. Is he, you know, does that improve them that much? I don't know. Chicharito is a great signing, don't get me wrong. But the rest of the team there, you know, with just those four signings, which everyone has sort of hyped up, you know, bringing in a former, you know, a couple of um, Premier League winners... Arnautovic, who for some reason people still think is like, you know, has it in him. But either way, I think that those signings are going to be a little bit of a letdown and they won't have as good of a season as people think. That's my reasoning for them. West Ham's a little bit, I mean, Everton's a little bit similar. But I think the biggest reason for them is that they got rid of Lukaku, who was pretty much guaranteed to hit you 20 plus goals a season, no matter really what was going on. And they've replaced them with Sandro Ramirez and Wayne Rooney. And now. Unless Wayne Rooney decides he's going to have the biggest renaissance of his career and turn into Zlatan Ibrahimovic and decide that he can score 20, 30 goals when he's 32, 33, then maybe it'll work. But no one is seeing that happening. And Sandro Ramirez is a guy who is a Barca castaway. 
he went to um, went to Malaga and did well. Don't get me wrong, he did well. But is he really the type of player that can replace a guy like Lukaku and get you a similar amount of goals? I'm not so sure. And then the other signings, similar to West Ham, they're big in name and they were big in fee, but I don't know how much they really improve the team. Guys like, you know, obviously Pickford's a great goalkeeper and Michael Keane is a good center back. But, you know, it kind of comes back to our argument before, Tomas, about how much, you know, how, how important center backs and goalkeepers are to your team and how much, you know, how important they really are to winning you points week in, week out. And I always say they're not that important compared to other positions. And how much of an upgrade is Michael Keane on a guy like Jagielka? How much of an, uh, how much of an upgrade is a guy like Pickford on Stecklenburg? I don't think it's that high. And so I think that they've losing a guy like Lukaku and not um, you know replacing him in the proper way, and it's always going to be impossible to really replace Lukaku, and that's what people don't really realize. And so that's why I think that while, yes, they'll still probably finish in the top 10, and yes, they could still even finish in seventh like they did last year, I don't think they'll even come close to the top six. I don't think they'll even approach them at all. And for that reason, I think people will, in the end, they'll be an underachiever because people were expecting more. I've seen a lot of people rate this transfer window as one of the top three in Europe. People have some expectations on this team, and I don't expect them to be fulfilled. But we will see. And so now what we're going to do is a couple of the fun ones, a couple of the more, you know, the, the quicker, like, awards, top scorer, best player, best signing, stuff like that. So I guess what we'll start with, because top score, best player sort of leads into who, you know, we already kind of talked about this with the, with the type of people, that, the, t- the type of teams that we think are going to win. So we will start with Tomas. Give us your who you think will be the best signing of the year and who you think will be the worst signing of the year. Best signing for me was a, was a tough one. I have a few players in mind here, but I think the guy who takes the cake here, Mark, and you know I'm a big fan of his, is Kelechi Hinacho to Leicester City. I think last year, Leicester had a very poor transfer window. You know, Most of the guys they brought in clearly underachieved. And nobody expected them to have the campaign they had when they won the league, of course. But it was a poor campaign from Leicester, um, culminating, of course, in the sacking of, of Ranieri. But bringing in Ihanacho at this window, I, I don't know if you have the fee mark. Was it somewhere around 20, 25 million pounds, if I'm not mistaken? Mm-hmm. I think in today's market, that's fair money. That's, uh, in, in fact, kind of cheap for Ihanacho. Very young player with an incredible goal-scoring ratio. I believe it's one of the best goal-scoring ratios in Premier League history in terms of goals per minute. So for me, Ian Acho, signing of the season, I think he'll score 15-plus goals for Leicester. I think having Ian Acho and Vardy up top is a very dangerous attack with Vardy's pace and Ian Acho is just eye for goal. I think they'll score a good number of goals this season, especially if they are somehow able to keep Mars if Mars somehow regain some of his form. I think that's a fantastic signing. Second place, I think, very close to that was Tammy Abraham, who I already mentioned, I think will do very well at Swansea. And if we're talking about worse signings, Mark, I don't think this season that we have any horrible signings like we had last season. I think last season we saw some really poor signings. Um, I would have said Bakayoko here, but Chelsea got rid of Matic, and so it kind of balanced out what, you know, what the laws of Matic is replaced by Baku. It's kind of a, you know, player for player straight swap almost. And speaking of Matic, for me, he's the worst signing this season. And you might, might find that interesting. I think Matic for a 29 year old guy, 40 million pounds, a guy who 
other than his first year at Chelsea back from, I guess, his first spell away from Chelsea when he was at Benfica, came back. We won the league that first year he was with us. He was fantastic. Top three, uh, you could say top three midfielder in the Prem that season. Was absurdly good for most of that season. Of course, had the massive dip in form in the famous Jose Mourinho's second season um, with Chelsea, or sorry, Mark, third season with Chelsea when uh, when Jose got sacked. He had a very poor season there. Everyone did, so I don't take that much into account. And then last year, yes, we won the league. Yes, he was a starter for most games, but people forget that every game almost, but Chelsea fans would be calling for Fabregas to come on and and inject some creativity into the team. So you could say maybe that's a fault of the fact that it's just Conte and Matic. There's not a lot of creativity there, but for me, you're paying $40 million for a guy who is not going to dominate the midfield like he did in that title-winning campaign for Chelsea under Mourinho. I don't think he's going to be anywhere near that level. And I think you're going to get more of the same that, of what he did last year, which was okay, but how many times would you say that Matic was a key player in a game last season or that he was uh, had a groundbreaking game? Not many. In fact, very, very, very few. So I think the biggest advantage of that signing is the fact that, as you touched upon briefly a little earlier, is the fact that it's going to liberate Pogba, probably going to get Herrera, Matic, and Pogba. That's a nice midfield. But is he a fantastic signing for Man U? Absolutely not. I think for £40 million, they could have gotten a lot better value. I think Matic is not the answer. And I think he's going to do okay, but it's it's an unspectacular signing. Mm. And it's obviously hard to do right now because there, there's a lot left in the window and a lot more things can happen. But as of right now, we're in more agreement, surprisingly. And the three that I had written down for best signings, it was kind of hard to differentiate between the three, were Tammy Abraham, Ihanacho, and Chicharito. I think all three are will definitely get goals for those teams. And those teams have been needing... Um, they needed another consistent goal score. That's what they needed. They needed some help there, especially West Ham. Haven't had a. I was looking this up the other day. I couldn't believe it. West Ham haven't had a striker score more than ten goals in a single league campaign since I think it was. Uh, it was like uh, I can't even remember. Some guy in like two thousand five, two thousand six in the championship. So I mean, that's a long time <laughs> without a guy that scored ten plus. I mean, they've signed. Everyone knows. No, no they, way. They, Tevis? Tevis didn't score 10 plus? I, when I was God, looking there's, it up, mate. there's no way. He saved when, them that season. When I was when I was looking it up, that, those, are the, those are the numbers I got. And so, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe I'll have to double check my research. But either way, they, they've notably signed like 30 strikers in the past like decade, and none of them have really panned out. And I think Chicharito will be that guy that can finally pan out and should get you 15 ish goals, which is crucial. Ihanacho, Tammy Abraham, already touched upon them. I think they'll do very well as well. And then as for worst signing, I think you were saying that there's no real notable bad signings. And I kind of think there is. And maybe he'll randomly hit the form that we saw at Tventa back in the day when he was a prodigal youngster. And that is Marko Arnautovic. 28 years old, 25 million pounds for a guy that in the Bundesliga and in the Premier League, his goal tallies since 2010 have been 3, 6, 5, 4, 1, 11, 6. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't exactly scream to me 25 million pounds for a guy who's 28. He's no longer a kid. You know what you're going to get. I think they're expecting a lot more from him, and I'm not entirely sure what, the, what, 
what that's going to be. I know he has a lot of talent. He shows it at times, but he's really inconsistent. Uh, he's kind of a hothead. And, you know, I, I just don't really see that signing panning out too, too well. And so then we'll go on to, and Tomas, give us your, the ones that everyone wants to know. Who's winning the Golden Boot and who's winning the best player before we finish off with a bit of, on a bit of a somber note as we tell you who we think is going to get relegated. Just real quick, Mark, I did fact check you and you were correct. Tevis scored seven goals that season that, that he saved West Ham in 2006-2007. Yeah, I think, so, it's, I think it's because he was brought in in January, was he not? He played, yeah, he, he was, I believe, and he only played 26 games that year. So actually, so I guess he was not brought in in January, but he was, I think he was injured for a little while. I think it was more he, he, case clearly of just, he clearly just hit form at the right time. He, he <laughs> hit form at the right time, and not, most notably that, that one game against Man U. But, but back to this. Speaking of, of hitting form, scoring goals... I think Romelu Lukaku, as, as much as I hate on this guy, has, has found in Man U a team that will fit his style and who I think will score, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it 28 goals this season, Mark. I think Lukaku will be top scorer. I'll call Kane second top scorer. And Morata, I think, will be third. Um, not too optimistic about Morata, but I'm, I'm hoping he'll score goals. Don't think Lukaku is the best, but he... He does score goals. We've seen that at Everton. We've seen that at West Brom. We did not see that at Chelsea. Didn't get many chances. But I think at Man U, he'll have a good season when it comes to scoring goals. Not necessarily overall play, but he'll give them the goals they need. In terms of best player, I think for me this is an easy one. Eden Hazard. Um, We've talked about this for a while, Mark. I think for me this is a make-or-break season for Hazard. Everyone acknowledges the fact that he's a top-ten player in the world, that he's the best player in the Prem, you know, right up there with Sanchez. Um, but I think for me, this season is when he needs to come out and prove that he can go and score goals because Hazard has never had a prolific goal scoring season. I think that maybe when we talk about top goal scorers, a dark horse for that could be Hazard because I, I truly do think Mark, and if it doesn't happen this season, I'll give up on it because I've been saying this for two or three years now. So maybe this is the year that Hazard will finally, finally get more of an eye for goal and, and go for goal more often spend more time near the box, spend more time going for goal rather than playing it off, doing some cute one-twos, coming so deep to get the ball, maybe looking like he prefers to dribble instead of scoring a goal. I think this is the season where he goes there, scores a great amount of goals, continues his terrific play, assists, and proves that he can really get up to that next level to be one of those guys that we talk about 15, 20 years from now. Because for me right now, fantastic player, one of the best, but is anyone going to be talking about Eden Hazard and – 30 years, they're not. So maybe this is the season that he cements his place as one of the all-time greats in the Prem and, and really elevates his game to that next level, close to maybe a Neymar, who so many people love to compare him to. Well, that's all very fair, but I have to say it's easily going to be Harry Kane for the Golden Boot yet again. Been the best striker in the Premier League two years in a row. Kind of pains me to say it because one of my good friends is a Spurs fan, and I hate to see them and him do well and him get the laugh in my <laughs> face about it. But it'll be Harry Kane. He's proven it time and time again. He is no longer a one-season wonder. And the way that Spurs are set up, it's just built for him to score goals. I mean, it's basically built for him and Deli Ali to score goals, and that's what they'll do, and that's what Kane will do. As for best player, Man City are going to win the Premier League. And Kevin De Bruyne is going to lead them to the Premier League. And he's been unbelievable so far in preseason. He was unbelievable last season as well. 
had a ridiculous number of assists. And I would not be surprised if, you know, maybe he breaks that Premier League record for most assists in a season that I believe Fabregas broke uh, in 14-15, or at least came close to it. And I think that'll be, this is Kevin De Bruyne's year where he really elevates himself into that world-class status. And so now I'll start with, we'll, we'll end this on a little bit of the somber note for the fans of these teams. Although, you know what, maybe they should be happy because our predictions last year about who was going to get relegated weren't, weren't so great. So maybe there's They were hope. shocking. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe there's some hope here. <laughs> maybe there's some hope here. But I've got to say, the two promoted teams, Brighton and Huddersfield, their squads are just not great. <laughs> when you really just look at those teams... Come on, mate, Aaron Moy, your, your favorite player. My favorite player. I mean, those are just not teams that are ready for the Premier League, unfortunately. I mean, when you're... When your marquee signing is Aaron Moy, and I know people hated on me, uh, hated on me for this. <laughs> that's that's not great. And while yes, he's a good player and he did well in the championship, I don't think that's the type of guy that's going to be you know catapulting you to to safety in the Premier League. Uh, they have some good guys here and there, but I think it's you know they're gonna they're just gonna be they're just here to enjoy it. They went up, and I think they're gonna go straight back down to Huddersfield and Brighton, and then my third team to go down. Yeah. This was a difficult one, and in the end, I kind of base it off of just kind of pure talent, and I think it's going to be Burnley. I think last season, they really, really, really overperformed at home. I mean, they had a ridiculous home record. I mean, at one point, they had the second best home record like in the league, like three quarters of the way through the season. I mean, they were turf more was a fortress. It was an absolute fortress. <laughs> and, you know, maybe they were just kind of getting good fortune. Um, you know, I was never impressed with them really at all when I watched them play. They, you know, they're an organized unit. They know how to defend. They know how to grind out results. But, you know, teams like that, I don't really see it lasting. You kind of need more in your locker. You need more talent in your locker. You need someone who's going to get goals. And between Andre Gray, Sam Vokes, and Ashley Barnes, I don't necessarily see that for the second straight year. So Sean Dyche, great manager, did really well with Burnley last season, completely overperformed. But I think this is where it ends for Burnley. I don't like to. I don't like how this is going, Mark, because we're in agreement yet again here. I think huh. I think you're spot on about Huddersfield and and Brighton. I don't think they're. I don't think they're fit to stay in the Prem another season. I, I'm excited to see Brian. I, I love watching them play. They, they're great to watch in the championship, but at the end of the day, they're not good enough for the Premier League. Huddersfield brought in a ton of players, but they really bring in anyone, anyone of great quality. I mean, Tom Inns, good player, probably one of their best signings. Casey Palmer, the Chelsea Loney, and of course, Aaron Moy. I guess I guess maybe it's a lot's riding on how good Aaron Moore can be for them this season, but I don't think he will be good enough, and I think they get relegated. And, and third, like you said, Burnley, um, Sean Dyche, I lost little respect I had for the guy back when Ashley Barnes had one of the most horrific tackles I've ever seen. And in fact, which for me started Matic not being the dominant force he was, because uh, he was a monster around that time. And then uh, when when Barnes went in on him, I don't think he was ever truly, truly the same after that. Maybe I'm just looking too deep into this. But when Sean Dyche after the game came out and said, you know, wasn't wasn't that bad attack or he was going for the ball or something like that, you know, give me a break. I'm not saying go out there and say your players had a criminal tackle, but, you know, there, there's a limit. I lost a little respect I had for him. I think they're going down this season. And he touched upon the most important part, Mark. It's the fact that 
they overachieved at home so much last season. They had, I believe it was one of the six, seven best records at the end of the day, uh, at the end of the season at home, away from home, however, they had the second worst record right behind whole city who were relegated. They had one win, one win away from home and four draws. So, I mean, that is a horrendous mark away from home and they barely survived and ended up being six points ahead of whole city. They, Whole city kind of collapsed towards the end. And are they going to have that home form again this season? Very, very unlikely. So for me, good riddance to Burnley. Have fun in the championship. Goodbye, Sean Dyche. This is your last season in the Prem. Well, this has been exciting, Tomas, because this is probably the podcast where we agreed the most. Now we really need to change that in our next one, so we'll be sure to pick a more divisive, <laughs> maybe maybe we'll pick some more divisive issues to make sure we disagree a little bit more because I'm sure people are a little confused as to our agreement today. <laughs> well, that's all we're gonna do right now. Obviously, there's a ton to talk about for this Premier League season, and obviously with the window three weeks remaining, I mean anything can happen. I mean these predictions can get turned on their head if. Chelsea bring in Gareth Bale or Man United bring in Gareth Bale or Coutinho leaves or Sanchez leaves. So, I mean, a lot of things can change. This is a very preliminary preview. And maybe we'll have to revisit some of these at the end of the transfer window, depending on how crazy it gets. Because, you know, with Neymar going to PSG for 222 million euros, I don't th- I think the dominoes are in place and I think they're ready to fall. So I, th- I think a lot of things are going to happen towards the end of the window. It'll be probably the, you know, the most exciting and most expensive transfer window of all time. So I think we'll have to revisit these at the end of the window. But you know we like to do a preliminary preview, preliminary projection, just to see how wrong we are come the end of the season, because that's always fun. So that's all we have time for. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned for our podcast with Rafa Hernandez. And stay tuned, because we'll probably do some more league previews coming up. Give us a follow on Twitter at EIF Soccer. Give us a like on Facebook at Everything is Football. And goodbye. Your shoes ain't off the shelves. You straight out of magazine. Feel things I ain't ever felt.